it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Manchester United weekly podcast covering all things Manchester United. Match previews, reports, reviews, youth roundups, loan roundups, and your questions. Hello and welcome to Series 2, Episode 12 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We've had 61 shots in the last two Premier League games, but two points and one goal. Zlatan is under fire after Tom Heaton's heroics and his Burnley side a point on his return to Old Trafford. We're more than a couple of wins off the top four now. The positivity of the derby win in the League Cup was ended, I guess, with a frustrating performance against Burnley. Jack, has, has frustrating ever been more apt to discuss a football match? Probably not, honestly. I can't really use any other word to describe that match. It was one of the most horrible 90 minutes I think I've ever watched. It was, and and not really for the performance, just from the fact that we just seemed to do everything but score. It almost reminded me somewhat of, um, do you remember the Fulham game under David Moyes? The, was it the two-all draw where we had like 200 crosses in 90 minutes or something? It almost reminded me of that game in that we seemed to do literally everything you could possibly do on a football pitch except score yeah 37 shots in one game 11 on target and I think someone put together a thing on Twitter on 19 big chances and I say that without sort of astonishment but 19 big chances Uh, the the strange it's so frustrating but I think it's a positive partly (laughs) it's extremely annoying we probably should have scored four or five times Zlatan Ibrahimovic had an awful game. Uh, this episode's cover art has Zlatan with a dunce cap on, and, <laughs> and that's why. I think this is his worst 
scoring run in the league for I think it's what is it now nine years I think since he was at Milan in 2007 yeah since Inter at 2007 2007 is the last time he went six games without scoring and I said this last week we could have beaten Stoke Feyenoord etc etc if he'd been scoring those big chances and he had like seven in, in one game and didn't score any of them and one where I think everyone just thought right we're not going to score after this I, th- th- this is a joke now where basically an, half of the goal was open for him and, and he managed to hit it wide and Pop was kind of protecting Zlatan or Pogba's price tag at least is protecting Zlatan because everyone's focusing on that rather than the awful performances of Zlatan Ibrahimovic recently I, I was tweeting about this the other day and that well A I mean Zlatan you can quite easily quantify the amount of points that Zlatan has actually cost us this season not only in the league but in the Europa League as well and it's astonishing to think that a player with this kind of reputation and and it's, it's not even just reputation he's proven over a number of years that he, he is such a great player. It's astonishing that someone that good can be costing us so many points on a weekly basis. This isn't now becoming like one or two games a season. It's becoming an almost weekly occurrence. Sometimes a bi- uh, like a, it happens twice a week sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's a very, very um, disheartening situation right now because we all had so much faith in Ibrahimovic at the start of the season that he would come here and he would get us the goals that we'd been lacking for the last couple of seasons. And after he started so well at United, there was so much positivity around him. He looked like an absolute gem of a signing. And he's now turned into very much the opposite. And you are totally right about Paul Pogba. He is 100% protecting him. I was tweeting about this yesterday. Um, and Pogba has actually, I, I think, played a lot better than a lot of people have given him credit for. But... When you look at the stats of his performances, if you just look at assists and goals, they, they look pretty underwhelming. And I was actually talking to an Arsenal fan about this, and I, I joked that I understand now how Arsenal fans felt when they always said that Ozil's assists were being denied by Giroud, because that's pretty much what's going on right now. Pogba could have had four or five assists to Ibrahimovic in the last month, and every one of them has been missed by Ibrahimovic. I mean, the one in the 88th minute against Burnley was... I mean, that was harder to miss than it was to score, I think. One absolute peach of a delivery by Pogba as well. Gary Neville was purring over it in commentary and it was an, it was, it was an amazing ball. And for Ibrahimovic to miss that chance was just incredible. I still don't really know how, how he did that. Pogba's price tag is, is 100% covering Ibrahimovic somewhat. And I think now the fans are certainly starting to notice it and it's surely only a matter of time before the media really pounce on him in the same way they have done Pogba. I've been convinced that Zlatan should be dropped for probably two games now, maybe three. I've thought he should have been dropped, but if, he, if he's not dropped after this, I have no idea what's going on. And what's particularly annoying is that if he's not dropped after this, we've managed to get rid of the undroppable Wayne Rooney situation and our striker in Wayne Rooney dropping too deep and just replace it with Zlatan because Latan's dropping too deep and is now undroppable unless he now gets dropped, which he definitely should do. So he sort of replaced Wayne Rooney with a, a taller Swedish version. And it, it's really annoying. And particularly this dropping deep thing, again, I know I brought it up last week um, and I have frequently brought it up on Twitter, but it's particularly against Burnley when we were completely dominating around the area and you had spells of probably six or seven minutes where... 
they didn't touch the ball except to hoof it clear and then as soon as they did that it would come straight back. Zlatan would still be dropping deep despite us having probably six or seven players around the box. And that's just pointless because where's your striker? Where's your number nine? He should be in the box. He should be getting onto the crosses that probably did. And when he did, he then missed them. That, that's an easier issue to fix because that's probably an issue which is to do with something else except the style of play. That's simply the quality lacking in the in the last few games. And I think that will be fixed. But that that's my biggest issue. I, li- I like the phrase Gary Neville purring. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good image. But Pogba had a very good game. And could have had six or seven assists alone in that game had uh, had Zlatan finished those chances and other people finished those chances as well. Uh, Wayne Rooney missed a, a golden opportunity as well when he came yeah. on. Um, to- talking of Wayne Rooney, it's become clear that he's not the problem. But as Football365 put it, the website, it doesn't mean that he wasn't a problem. It's just showing that he isn't the only problem, which I, I think was yeah. the best way of putting it. There were lots of positives. It's so frustrating, but there were lots of positives. For example, Juan Mata uh, proved that he is indeed the greatest player in the Premier League. Absolutely sublime performance. And and I think everyone's still scratching their heads. And strangely, I'm literally scratching my head right now as, as to how he was subbed off. He was the captain on the day until Rooney came on and he went off. And he was having an incredible performance and, and got subbed off, which was... What I can only hope was uh, someone reading Jose Mourinho's notes, which he sent down wrong, because otherwise it's an extremely strange substitution. Couple more positive. Matteo Damian, uh, a very solid performance. Uh, Antonio Valencia missing after undergoing an operation on a fractured arm. There's so many positives, except the fact that we just drew nil-nil to Burnley. Yeah, it's. I, I was tweeting about this um, after a few hours after I watched the game. I was obviously after watching the game very angry, very disappointed. But when I reflected on the game a little bit, it's actually, with, with the exception of our finishing and Ibrahimovic, it's actually very difficult to criticise the team for the way that we played on, on Saturday. I mean, we, we drew 0-0 with Burnley, so that's probably sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. But there really wasn't an area of the pitch where you can say that we didn't play well. I think Burnley had maybe one opportunity the entire game with the header in the second half. And I mean... Every every single person in the team, other than Ibrahimovic, I I could pretty much say everyone in the team had a good game. Like on so even even Herrera before his stupid sending off, even he was was playing well up until then. And it was just so frustrating to have a performance like that and not to get three points from it and not even to score. I mean, we were we were talking before we started recording this, and it's almost like our two best performances this season in terms of the football we've played and chances created. I, in my opinion, are Burnley and Stoke. And from those two games combined, we've only got two points and scored one goal. I, I, I mean, it's just ridiculous that we can play so well sometimes and not get anything for it. And the reason why this becomes a problem in a situation like this is almost not just for the Burnley result, but the team right now needs some confidence because we're obviously not playing very well right now in other games. We just got some confidence back in the derby, which we'll come on to uh, in a second in midweek and we come out and play so well against Burnley but we just can't get the three points and that would have been a huge lift to the team to come out to play so well and to get three points and hopefully you know we had the opportunity to score five six seven goals maybe in that game and then after that we still play so well but we come out with a nil-nil draw and confidence remains at rock bottom yeah the way the way one United fan on Twitter put it was Stoke was one of those games you have once a season uh, number of chances you miss and, and the transfer hammering is wasted and then 
this Burnley game was one of those games you have once a decade where it's just absolutely ridiculous how we didn't win. And I, I think that was probably the best explanation I saw for it. The positive thing is, instead of 84 crosses like under David Moyes, where we drew 2-2 with Fulham, instead we had 37 shots. And yes, it, it's extremely boring. We're seven points or fourth, that's not good enough. However much the style of players improving... It's definitely worrying for us as a club and our, our prospects of getting top four. But 37 shots in a game, 19 big chances. For anyone who had any inkling of thinking that David Moyes' spell with United was better than this, this this game just proved you wrong entirely. Because under Moyes, we probably would have put in about 60 crosses, not had any chances, and probably would have lost 1-0 to a late counter-attack or something. This... The game was extremely good to watch, if frustrating, in, in the last 10 minutes when we realised that whatever we did, we, we wouldn't score. This game was good to watch, lots of chances, uh, an impressive style of play, attacking, which we didn't always expect from Mourinho. Um, yes, it was against Burnley, but still, had Tom Heaton not put in one of the best games of his life, and yes, it was good to see him come back to Old Trafford do well, but probably would have been more pleasing had he had we won and he did well still. If he hadn't had one of those games, arguably the best game of his career, although I don't watch Burnley with with much regularity, then I, I, we would have won and we would have been fine. I, I don't think an overreaction is necessary. Uh, I don't think any sort of big reaction is necessary. I think uh, another another United fan on Twitter said, um, this is kind of similar to when Jurgen Klopp came in at Liverpool at the, the back end of 2015 when the style of play was definitely improving but results weren't. And they ended the season... In, in the Europa League final and losing the League Cup final. Um, so so maybe this is similar to what we're having with Mourinho, but anyone saying Mourinho out can 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 leave quickly because we're about 10 games in. Maybe this point next year, if we're still doing badly, yes, but the style of play is improving. That's, that, that's what people asked for. People at the end of last season were saying, I don't care if we lose as long as we attack while we lose. And now they're saying, why are we seventh? because we're attacking more. So, uh, as usual, football fans are showing themselves as fickle. Yeah, they definitely are a fickle bunch. I have to agree about the Mourinho's out, I think. I was surprised, but I shouldn't be anymore because it happens so often. But I don't know. I think, I think there needs to be some perspective taken. People need to take stock of how we're playing as well because, like you said, we really aren't playing as badly as some people would have you believe. The way that the team has actually responded from the Chelsea defeat, I, I think is act, actually excellent. Um, they We had a great great win against Man City in midweek. Backed that up with a great performance against Burnley, although a disappointing result. If we'd have, if we'd have come out of that Burnley game with a 1-0 win, having played like that, everyone would now, be, would, would now be flying high, thinking that you know we're in pretty good form. Just come off with a, big, a big win against Man City, a great performance against Burnley. Two wins from two off the back of such a disappointing defeat from the from the Chelsea game, then you know be thinking we can bounce back from anything. But now the Burnley game was just such a kick in the teeth. But we need to k- take stock of where we are. Really make sure that we sort out how we want to play going forward, and and make sure that we have a striker that can convert chances. Just a quick note, actually, as well. We've um, me, Harry, and I think every United fan living and breathing in the last year have been very, very, very um, vocal in their disapproval of Marcus Rojo. 
But I just had to say that he's actually played very well the last two games. I credit where credit is due. I probably will go back to hating him pretty soon when he plays at left back. But the last two games, he's he's played very well as a replacement for Eric Bailly. Yeah, it is strange because I always said before the start of this season that when we see Rojo at centre-back, he'll probably be much better than at left-back. And he had one or two games at centre-back and I thought, all right, I've been wrong here, I'll shut up now. And it's actually going quite well for him there. And if if as long as we just keep him as a backup centre-back, I, I mean, this is a, an early judgment. It's been two games against the weakened City side and Burnley. But... It, I mean, as a centre-back, he's doing all right. It's just that left-back where he's utterly atrocious and he burns his toast, which I don't like. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we can all agree that if ever there's a defensive injust, in, injury, we need Blind shifted out to left-back and Rojo brought in at, le- brought in at centre-back. The thing here, the main thing is, if we had a striker who could finish, this would be a big, a, a, a big victory for United. And such fine margins at the moment. Yes, it's a disappointing start to the season, but there's certainly positives. And I think that's just what we have to take from here and then and then move on to to winning a game probably quite scrappily on Thursday and Sunday. On to the City game. I, I mentioned Marcus Rojo. Absolutely fantastic against City, as most people on the pitch were. Yeah, 100%. The Man City game was a really good performance. We came out, uh, albeit against a weakened Man City team, we have to say that. You know, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But yeah, it was a, it was a great performance. Uh, we dealt with... I think I think the, the thing that pleased me was that we we 100% learned from the last game against Man City. Okay, there were different p- people playing. There was no De Bruyne. There was no Aguero starting. But we definitely learned from the previous game where they ran all over us in midfield. We kept it a lot tighter, a lot more compact in midfield. And we, we played in a much more responsible manner, I think. The last time we played City, we were both coming in on the back of a string of good results. That I think we almost... we. United wanted to go toe-to-toe with Man City. And you know what? We have to admit that right now we can't do that. Because if we go toe-to-toe with a full-strength Man City side, we're going to get torn apart. And that's what happened in the first half in the league. And we learned from that. We realised that we had to give ourselves solid foundations first before we start moving forward. And it, it was a great performance. I think especially second half, the way we controlled the game after we scored was one of the most impressive things I've seen United do in the last few months. Because it was the one thing that maybe we thought might go if we tried to play the more attacking style that what we've seen this season. Um, because that was actually one of our strengths under Van Gaal, is that usually once we got a lead, we kept it. But the way we controlled the game, City had, off the top of my head, I can't remember any really clear-cut chances that they had in, in, in the second half after we scored the goal. And it was a really, really good all-round performance. Every single person contributed. Even Ibrahimovic, although he didn't score in that game, his all-round play was actually pretty good. And even when he did drop deep, not everything came off for him, but he kept working. He kept, wor- he kept working for the team all game, which isn't a trait necessarily um, attributed to Ibrahimovic all the time. So credit for, to him there. And I think just all-round, the team played very, very well. We kept did all the basics extremely well. And then when we got the chance to go forward and play more expansively, we did so very, very well. Uh, it, was, it was strange with that. And I was at the game and in Sam Platts before seeing Rojo start was filled me with dread but the the thing with Zlatan is there were probably three or four really poor passes uh simple short passes that he he completely messed up and had City be more clinical could could have been an error that led to a goal but I think once he'd done those passes and his first half performance was pretty poor um missed a couple of chances as well I think he was on an individual mission to prove himself I I I might be being very cynical but I think he's He's 
when he loses the ball, he tries much harder than if he hadn't lost the ball. I, I think it's more of an individual mission than a, a team mission. But credit to him anyway, because what, what whatever reason he's doing it, he's doing it well. And he, I think he was a real leader in that second half after, after we went in front. Did it did extremely well to sort of calm everybody down. And and that was the one occasion I thought, yeah, drop deep, well done. And he'd hold up the play, uh, take much longer than any other player would do. And he, and he led quite a young team. On City, just just worth noting that their their supposedly reserve slash B team cost two hundred and fifty million pounds or something, and uh, yeah, not not entirely reserve team. It sort of grated me a bit. I think a, a couple of reserve players like Maffeo and Garcia, but their team cost a lot of money and is most certainly not a reserve side. Um, a weakened side, not a reserve side. Yeah, it, it was. It, it, yeah, it wasn't a reserve side at all. It was, it was a rotation squad. I think is, is yeah, more. Yeah, but appropriate the, the main thing from that very impressive to see how we'd learnt from City because after the City game, we yeah. then went to another game and uh, we thought, right, we haven't learnt here. Uh, so Chelsea, we thought we haven't learnt here, and then this game we had learnt. So that's that's progress, and this season is mainly about progress, to be honest. Also, I just want to just want to touch on that as well. I think I talked earlier about the way we responded from the Chelsea game. I think you got to give credit for, for, to Mourinho for actually not making too many changes midweek. Yeah, it would have been it would have been very easy for him to say, oh, "Just come off a heavy defeat. The players need to be taken out the spotlight a little bit. We can't risk another loss here." But it was it actually worked very well for him in the end because he took he took the decision to keep most of our first um, first eleven playing. A, I'm assuming because it was, you know, obviously Manchester City, we want to want to beat our neighbours. But also because the players needed some kind of lift and that was the perfect way to get them. So credit to Mourinho for actually taking the risk and, and putting our first eleven out because it then helped, I think, to really get everyone's confidence. I would have been awful going into the Burnley game if we'd have put out a, a B team, got beaten by Manchester City, and then you have the first eleven coming off a 4-0 defeat against Chelsea and then like, maybe our set, our... our rotation squad or whatever you want to call it coming off a loss against Manchester City as well the whole the whole squad would have been would have been down in the dumps so credit to Mourinho for for sticking with the same team and implementing the right tactics to get the job done yep and I think although I didn't like the way he did it he managed to distract the attention from the players uh, with his whole I can't remember what word he used but he said he wasn't enjoying life in Manchester because he was away from his family not quite what he said but that's how the media picked up on it and it meant there was literally no attention on the players or the 4-0 loss to Chelsea. It was completely about Mourinho, uh, Mourinho this, Mourinho that and we went into the derby with much less pressure than we would have done had he not done that even though I, I don't particularly like that because it could come across wrong. Now, uh, for our weekly youth roundup, the under-18s haven't been in action this weekend, but manager Kieran McKenna took an under-17 side to Slovakia for a mid-season training tour earlier this week, uh, facing local side MSK Zelina, who treated it as a huge game. I think there were about 300 fans there, and very noisy at that. I managed to watch. We won 4-1, thanks to goals from Tahith Chong, Damani Bukhail, Melor, Harry Spratt, and Ethan Laird. The latter... Ethan Laird uh, was a late goal as a substitute. He impressed after coming on at right back. Three of the goals in the second half. Tahith Chong, he was captain for the day. His close control and place is still absolutely breathtaking. Even at this young age, he got an assist as well as his goal. A very good second half from United, controlling uh, some excellent attacks. First half was a little tentative 
uh, particularly in the opening stages. Mason Greenwood was the only under-15 member of the squad and came on late on, while Dylan Levitt had a fantastic game in the centre of midfield, particularly in that first half. The under-23s recently played too. Uh, I managed to see that as well. I went to Spurs' training ground, which is quite impressive. Uh, for their 1-1 draw against the North London side. Lots of ladybirds there, strangely, but a nice a nice day to watch the football. Quite sunny. Um, and United opened the scoring through Joe Riley, latching on to a great 35-yard chip-through ball from Sean Goss. He settled in to the game excellently. He's returned from months out with injury. Hopefully he can get a, a proper spell injury-free now. He's beginning to look more like Michael Carrick in every game, and his stature certainly improved while he's been injured. Riley received the ball, sent one defender to the floor and then slotted past the goalkeeper. Great composure. He's been converted to left back but was originally a right winger so sort of showed that side of his game in that goal. A good game. Second half, a little scrappy Spurs equalised in the first half through Shayon Harrison who alongside Kyle Walker-Peters for them was their best player. Dean Henderson was in action in that under-23s game. That His youth loan at Grimsby Town allows him to do so. So Friday playing for the under-23s and Saturday he was on the bench for Grimsby Town as they drew with Yeovil. And Nani Anazai made his return from a month-long injury against Arsenal for Sunderland. 22-minute substitute appearance. Andreas Pereira and Cameron Borthwick-Jackson were both in action too. The latter playing the full game for Wolves. His first start since October the 1st in their first game since manager Walter Zenga was sacked. Good for him to get back into the side. Pereira played at the Camp Nou as Granada lost only 1-0 to Barcelona. I thought they'd get a batter in there, so decent for them there. He was taken off after 60 minutes. And on the international stage, he's been represented too, I've just been reminded. Angel Gomez captained England's under-17 side to Euro qualification playing in the first two games, getting a couple assists in that second game as uh, a City pairing of Phil Foden and Jadon Sancho scored. Who else played? Uh, summer signing, Nishan Burkhart. He signed from FC Zurich this summer, played for Switzerland's under-17 side, came on as a substitute in one of three games, played in all three games and scored three goals for Switzerland's under-17 side in three Euro qualifiers. And Ethan Hamilton made his Scotland under-19s debut first as a substitute and then two consecutive starts for him. I saw him in action against Andorra's under-19 side very briefly for about half an hour. And although it was a pretty scrappy game, lots of airtime for the ball, he impressed. No one else on the international stage, but a good good international break for those three. And Gomez and Burkhardt will return to the under-18s this weekend, while Hamilton will return for the under 23 Another busy week for United, no, no respite, which is why it was so important to get that momentum with a uh, a win against City and then a, a strange draw against Burnley. We won't talk about that again. Fenerbahce on Thursday in the Europa League. Good luck to any fans going to that. Um, I'm sure you get a, a wonderful welcome from the Turkish support. That's on Thursday and then Swansea on Sunday. Fenerbahce Thursday. We've beaten them 4-1 a couple of weeks ago. Being reminded of that lovely Robin Van Persie reception. What you, what are you thinking for this game? Uh, I, th- I think there'll be a lot of changes to the team for this game. Tur- Turkey on the Thursday night before Swansea on the Sunday seems like exactly the kind of game that is made for a lot of rotation. I, I expect to see a very weakened team. Wouldn't surprise me if, if a lot of the our most important players don't actually make the trip. If we don't think that people are really going to be needed, there's no point in flying them to Turkey and back just for to sit on the bench for 90 minutes. Fenerbahce look, looked pretty poor in, in the in the game last week, if we're honest. Sorry, the week before last. Yeah, they, they look pretty poor, if we're honest. I think if you can shut down Roman Van Persie and not let him get too much space, because he still has a lot of quality in that left foot, 
then I think they don't offer too much going forward. We need to get a grip on the game, try and quieten down the crowd. That would be the biggest factor because that crowd at Fenerbahce can be very, very intimidating. And I think if we can quite, quite, try and quieten down the crowd a little bit early on, get control of the game, then the quality should, should shine through. As long as we don't have another shocking performance in front of goal like we did against Burnley. <laughs> I think we'll see Wayne Rooney start, which, which is strange yeah. given that he's now our rotation option. I think that's going to take some getting used to after 12 seasons or so of of watching Ray Rooney be our, our main figure. Strangely, Mourinho's stuck with Memphis, which, which I'm happy about because I think he can still make it United. But I know, I know some people won't be. Definitely going to be an interesting game to see if we can put out a similar performance to Burnley, but manage to score. I don't think we will. I think we're going to go more defensive because it's a European away game. And I, I'm not too disheartened by going defensive in Turkey because... I don't think it's realistic to to try and replicate the game at Old Trafford. I don't think that's a possibility. Fenerbahce are much better at home than they are away domestically as well as in European competitions. And I I guess now the options are limited at right back. We might see Timothy Fosumensa because Valencia is probably out for six weeks now. So I expect Damian will start on Sunday, and and that means maybe Fosumensa gets gets some time on the pitch on Thursday in Turkey. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see that at all either. I guess the only other option really is Ashley Young, potentially. I'd rather play Fossi Menzer, honestly, in that situation. It's the kind of experience that he needs. and I'd, I'd rather play a young right-back at right-back than an ageing left midfielder at right-back. <laughs> Which is a very... Whenever, whenever I think of Ashley Young, it still fascinates me how he's become a, a makeshift right-back, left-back, left-winger, right-winger and occasionally centre-forward all-in-one. So anyway, <laughs> back, back onto Fenerbahce. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise me at all to see Fossi Mensa play. Hopefully he, he can put in a good performance. I'd, I've actually missed seeing him play in the last few weeks. But yeah, it'd be good for him to get that experience. It's a, albeit the Europa League, it's still an intimidating Euro, European away night. So I'd be interested to see how he copes with that. So I hope he does start. Uh, I, I hope we don't see Michael Carrick because that would mean that we'll probably see him against Swansea and he should be given more than 12 Premier League minutes, which is what he has so far. Um, I I think we could see a couple of under-23s come up, particularly in defence. Uh, so Axel Twanzebe, who stopped and had a word with me after the under-23 game, which was very nice of him. I think it's possible that we could see him. Mourinho's name dropped him previously. And they, the under-23s played on Friday, as I said, so plenty of rest before this game. With Smalling out, Baye out, I think it, it's possible, but I don't know if Mourinho will want to play Blinden Rojo twice in, in four days. So maybe we'll get a chance to see Twanzebe at centre-back, which would be positive. Prediction for Fenerbahce and then prediction for Swansea. Quickly wrap it up. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw against Fenerbahce. A 1-1 draw that Mourinho will not be too unhappy with, I'm going to say, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then I'm going to go with... Let's be optimistic. Hopefully we can get rid of the uh, the voodoo that has struck us against Swansea in recent seasons. Let's go for a 2-1 win. Yeah. Uh, not particularly high scoring. I'm going for 2-0 at Fenerbahce away. Strangely optimistic. We'll probably end up losing. Swansea away. Always a tough one. I've had my... I think I've seen United Swansea twice at Old Trafford and both times we lost. So, lucky lucky I'm not going to this one. Yeah, 2-1 at Swansea, 2-0 at Fenerbahce. Let's be positive. We do actually kind of need to beat Fenerbahce to top our group. Otherwise, we're in quite significant danger of, of not doing so. And that would be quite embarrassing. As, as our league position eighth is at the moment. No questions this week. So, that's all we have time for on Series 2, Episode 12 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. For any fans travelling to Turkey... Um, 
Like I said, I wish you good luck. I'm sure you'll be given a, <laughs> a wonderful reception by the Turkish fans throughout your stay in the country. Enjoy that trip if you're going. I, I'm, we're playing in three countries in the space of a week, I guess. Turkey, Wales, England. Interesting. Anyway, enjoy those two games. Another busy week before we sadly have another international break as, as they seem to come every In fact, they do come every month at this point in the season. And unfortunately, we'll have to have a boring weekend again. And then after that, we play Arsenal. Remember to follow us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod for more updates. You can follow me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 if you want to hear more from me. And follow Jack on Twitter at UTD Tates, T-A-I-T. If you want more from him. Thank you very much for listening. Series 2, episode 12 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Enjoy your week. Hopefully it won't be as frustrating as Burnley. Um, Nothing can really be as frustrating as that, can it? Goodbye. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.